Now they've got another shorthanded rush. Stone is in, stops, he scores! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Over to the right side, sixth attacker is on. Carlson to the left, Petrangelo shoots wide, rebound, score! Chandler Stevenson ties the game. 4-4 with a minute 35 to play. Power play goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Bruce Cassidy met with the media this morning, and it was a session that covered a lot of ground as the Golden Knights were on the practice ice for the first time in a couple of days. One more practice tomorrow, and then they will hook up with the Florida Panthers on Thursday. Looking forward to it. The pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas at 6 o'clock, right after the VGK Insider Show. And then a Stan Duva and Gary Lawless uh, with the call at 7 o'clock. It's part of a seven-game homestand for the Vegas School of the Knights, which will continue into next week and feature a game against the Detroit Red Wings, who are beating the Winnipeg Jets 3-1 tonight after hmm. one period. We have a couple of pairs of tickets to send you to that game next Thursday, this, uh, January 19th, and we will give one of those away right now. It's 702-876-1340, caller number 19. That's a famous number in Detroit. It's a famous number in Las Vegas, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm just talking about the Red Wings. Famous number in Detroit. Well, they're playing. Oh, you should have gone Knights. with Fedorov. I'm yeah. saying. No, 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 no. No, no, I wouldn't do that to him because we're eventually going to need him. Uh, we've got uh, 702-876-1340. Chapman is standing by. Caller number 19. We will send you to that game involving Riley Smith and the Vegas Golden Knights against the Detroit Red Wings. We have another pair of tickets to give away in a little bit. Uh, so if you don't win this one, uh, stick around and we'll, uh, we'll try and make you a happy person uh, in just uh, a little bit. Uh, so uh, we we heard from Bruce Cassidy today, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we'll get to that in just a couple of seconds. The time off, though, it it is really big. And this is a situation where they've played so much hockey mm-hmm. uh, that you got to take some kind of step back. And they've had some homestands around Thanksgiving, yeah. around Christmas, uh, New Year's. They, they've had... Uh, home games on there, but you, but you can't really relax because there's so much stuff going on. This is a legitimate time to one, take a breather, and two, kind of get back to the practice routine of, of working on a few things. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think for the Golden Knights, this is maybe their first real break of the season. It right? is. It's, it's certainly that from a from a density of the schedule perspective you've and got no competition from holiday or family yeah or... exactly and 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 it's a abil- it's an ability to step back and the focus is on the hockey and only on the hockey and i think that's going to be something that we look back on over the course of this homestand as maybe a big reason why the golden knights kind of find their groove at t-mobile arena because I do think that when you've got an ability to to just not have to go anywhere, not have to do anything, not have to travel, and just be in one spot, get some extra practice days in, I think that's going to bode well for them. It's the perfect time. It didn't. It's not planned this way. Yeah, but it happens after game forty-two. Like you're you're halfway through plus one game of the season, so it's an opportunity for the coaches to probably have some meetings with players, maybe do some mid-season. Uh, yeah evaluations Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. all the way through players to do their own self-evaluation real opportunity to sit down and do a deeper dive yeah 100 percent. and i think that again it's it's nice to have 
kind of that line of demarcation. You've got what happened at the beginning of the year, getting through the month of December in all the hockey that the Golden Knights were playing with all the distractions with that come along with holidays and all that. And now you've just got an opportunity to reset, refocus, uh, look at what was good in the first half, look at the areas you can improve in the second half, and really get to work here. Awesome. I look forward to the return to the ice on Thursday against the Florida Panthers. So we have a winner? Yes. Who is it? It was Brett. Nice. First time winner. You and Brett were getting it on there. Yeah, well, when, you know, when they win for the first time, there's a lot more information uh, I need to get. Uh, than... Did Brett want to know what the upper body, lower body of dog was? I didn't have time to ask didn't, him. Didn't have to do that. I actually, uh, I found the right answer, just so you guys are aware. Oh, yeah, what is it? It's it's a dog that looks like this. That's what the pants should look like on a dog. Yeah, right right across the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it covers up the butt. From, from there's there's no front of the there's no such thing as four legged pants. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about this further off the air as we bring in <laughs> Bruce Cassidy, who went with the media today after a couple of days of uh, just stepping away from the rink. Do we not have Bruce Cassidy? Yeah, but it's it's cut. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't have him uh, all not, together. Not, not all together. No, no. There's, when there's did we cuts. change this? Uh, we've been doing it this way for. Were we not running them all together? No, no. We yesterday we didn't run them together. All right, run the first clip. Okay. <laughs> well, I you know I have a memory bias, right? Of recent, uh, not good enough against LA, obviously. Uh, too many breakdowns, mismanaged pucks. But the first half of the year, I thought we did a lot of things well, building our game. Uh, we established some defensive zone structure that I thought worked for us a lot of nights, not every night. Um, We've built our special teams now where I think both of them are functioning uh, at, a, at a, a good level. And I think the PK will only get better now that the guys are more in the rhythm. Power play, the healthier we are, I think we can balance the both units. So I like that part of our game. Two young goaltenders that are both finding their way. They've had some good moments and um, mostly good moments. So that, that was a question mark. So I look at those things, those areas that uh, we've improved on. I don't think we're a high-risk team. That was something else we wanted to build in, the predictable sort of chances for the goalies that they would see in terms of uh, limiting odd man rushes. So a lot of the things we set out to do, I think we've accomplished. The the scoring's in the room. They've continued to score. The healthier we are, I think the more we will score. Um, So for us now, what's left in front of us is consistency for 60 minutes, and we've got to be better against our own division. Um, So so those are some areas we can certainly improve the second half. Uh, just uh, reliability. You know, we, when we watch the game, I never noticed Nick really out of position. You know what I mean? Like, unnoticeable makes him better almost. He's just there. He's in the way. He's got a good stick. He's moving pucks, boxing out. Um, and, and he should be better the second half, too, because, you know, a little uh, familiarity with, with Petro, assuming, you know, they stay healthy, will make him that much better. I think give him that much more confidence. So, um, like where his game is. The other day, you called Brady McDowell one of the most underrated players on this team. I guess how much do you value a guy like him? Maybe isn't flashy, but just not fun to play against. Well, for a coach, you love to have guys like that. He's low maintenance. Uh, he, you know, he just comes to play every day, good work ethic. He's not a guy you have to – you're checking in with all your players, Ben, but he's one of those ones that's a quick check-in. Hey, how you doing? How are things? How's your partner? I got him. You know, we're, 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 get, we're, we're good. 
Uh, he's played with younger guys, and that's always good for the circle of life, so to speak, when you, you know, put a Korzak in there with a Miro, um, guys that are your future, you know, if they're learning from the right guy, I think that only makes it better. So any good team would tell you that that's what it takes to keep your culture or your, you know, sort of your success going as guys like him. Um, and, you know, his stats are solid. Uh, talked about the PKs, a big part of that, why it's gotten better. So I can't say enough good things about him. He's, like I said, a really good soldier. You're listening to Bruce Cassie's meeting with the media. Uh, well, I think he's got that mindset. He's going to catch a guy. if he, you, know, you can usually tell in the heat of a moment if a guy's prepared. If he's looking, not looking at what's going on right in front of him, usually that's it right there. You, uh, play against a certain guy over time, could be over time for that particular game. If you're matched up against him, realize, hey, this guy's letting his foot off the gas. So... Um, I think it's just timing. It's a, you know, there's timing in different areas of the game that everybody has. He has the timing on body body contact because it's it's rarely late. He had the the one hit this year that got a little high, and I, I'm you know I, I don't think the timing was bad. It's just uh, the kid got hurt unfortunately, but uh, you know he's just very good at at, at that. Well, we would hope for that, and we talked about that this summer that. Yes, Hagen and White Cloud are a very good third pair, but how can we balance our attack? Is Marty going to be able to, after missing that much time, go in and play the, the expected minutes, which was a big ask. How can we grow our team? How can we be better? And part of it is giving younger guys more responsibility if they can take it on. So, that, you know, as Nick got up to speed here, that's something we felt that we would try to do if he, if he was um, handling his minutes well at the start of the year and then it evolved with injuries sometimes that's how you find out about guys and and uh so i like where it is right now i think it, it just balances the minutes better not leaning on marty to play as many hard minutes he, he already plays hard minutes he plays against good players he's on the penalty kill um you know he had a tough year last year so it doesn't mean we can't go back to it down the road but right now i think it's better to to build the for, for the for the group of six to to balance it out that way. And I think I'd like to see Marty with Whitey too when he gets back, see how that pair, you know, now you've got a veteran and a, wouldn't call Whitey a young guy, but he's not, you know, you know, not, not that season. So that might be another, you know, area where that we get better and the th both pairs may get better just because of a simple switch. <clears throat> Well, the two, we took two days off for a reason. I, th we, I thought we were uh, pretty intense uh, schedule-wise at the start of the year, including travel. Uh, so I thought it was a good time to do it. Uh, today was more of a work day. Some of the things that we didn't do well recently. Yet, you know, you, you can't sort of fix everything that happened against LA all in one night. You want to get good work in, but get you know get back into your structure. So. We were probably out there 45 minutes, which is a bit longer than, than most days, but um, not not so long that, you know, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? You still want the energy level to be up. So that's just the way practice is structured nowadays. Um, you know, there's that t clock in all the players' heads. They're almost telling you, hey, hey, coach, we've been out here a while now. Like, uh, you know, it's lunchtime. <laughs> we got to get out of here. So uh, that's just the modern hockey player. They're used to that, right? You get, you know, you get into your routine. So, um but I don't know if I answered your question, Gosh, but it was a bit of rest to get some work in today, and we'll work a little more tomorrow, even though we play Thursday. I think we've got to still finish some things that are the work.
side of the not just flow and and uh, see where we're at Thursday. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You're listening to Bruce Cassidy. Well, we you go through this with certain teams. Guy Boucher used to play it in Ottawa and Tampa. It's I think it's mental. You just have to decide that night. Okay, we got to be comfortable in a one nothing game, one one game until it opens up, if it ever opens up. Um, keep playing behind them. We did that up there the first time, and we were fine. We got a lot of pucks back. We ended up with lots of scoring opportunities. So um, for me, it's, it's you got to have patience if you're going to play through it. And I think teams get caught up in that. And you can talk about it as coaches, and we did, but the players are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, we're going to play. And all of a sudden now you're turning it over a few times, and you realize, you know, wow, this is tough. And I, I'm not sure the other night we had the willingness to, to play that game, get in and forecheck. And it showed. I mean, we turned over a lot of pucks. We didn't want to do it the hard way, and we paid the price. I'm, I'm going to guess Edmonton did the same thing last night. So that type of system, when it comes up periodically, I think is successful. It can be successful when you play it well. They've got a transition game, so you do have to be able to score when you do get pucks back, and they've done a good job with that lately. And um, the second part is if you see it over and over again, and I think the players get more in tune with it. Right? Okay, how can we beat it if you see it night after night? Uh, so there's a bit of the element of... I don't want to say uncertainty or unfamiliarity is probably a better word of not seeing that every night where uh, once you do, then I think you have an easier time if you were going to play them seven straight games. The fact that they're one of the teams in your division and there's a chance you could eventually meet them in the playoffs, does it, I guess, help uh, them want to, to, to get better at playing against that style? Well, they will have to or they won't reach their ultimate goal. That's that simple to me. You're going to have to. You're going to have to take what's in front of you, right? We talk about all the time, take the ice that's in front of you. If, if they have a good gap, then the, or the ice that's available, sorry. And, and if, if they have a good gap, the ice that's available is behind them, so you go force them to break a puck out. If they don't have a good gap, then you play in front of them and make your plays. So, and with, with that type of system, when they were pretty disciplined in getting back the other night, it was obviously the ice was behind them, and we, we didn't accept that. So will they, you know, will they do it in the playoffs? It, will, whoever plays them has to just have to. It's what's in front of you. The last couple of questions regarding the one three one drink. And it is a tough thing to beat because one, it's 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 very effective, uh, and you have to really be uh, patient within your game. And if you don't, and you're not patient, you don't have the puck a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and LA can transition; they they got some guys that can get up at the ice. They didn't necessarily transition to beat Vegas. It was just Vegas turned over the puck a lot mm-hmm. and ended up uh, that LA uh, was able to to do some things or, or control it a lot more and not give Vegas uh, the opportunity to do a lot of scoring on their their own. Now last night. L.A. was able to transition the puck and put it in the net against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So the 1-3-1 worked in two totally different ways, the last two wins for, for L.A. It just took the puck away from, from Vegas, where they weren't able to mount any type of momentum moving forward, mm-hmm. and in, against Edmonton, which should be way better against it after last year's playoffs. Uh, uh, they they turned it up ice, and, and Edmonton got caught flat-footed. And that's a product of the two teams that the, that the Kings were playing against. The Golden Knights are pretty buttoned up defensively, and they do defend well against the rush as well. So uh, the Edmonton Oilers don't. The Edmonton Oilers don't have the, the defensive structure that the Golden Knights do, so it doesn't really surprise me all that much. 
that the Kings were able to transition and find some transition offense against an Oilers team that doesn't defend particularly well. That was uh, really interesting what he had to say about Braden McNabb and then the Nick Haig uh, uh, pairing with Alex Petrangelo. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot in there regarding the foundation of this blue line right now, which is missing a couple of big pieces, that Nick Haig is forecast to have a better second half than the first half, and we've seen some significant growth in the last 15 games. Yeah, I think Nick Haig's kind of starting to hit his stride when it comes to this season. Paired up with Alex Petrangelo, now we talk about Braden McNabb, how much he communicates, but we know Petrangelo does the same thing. And uh, with Petrangelo, I think that he works really well with some of the younger guys that are coming in trying to make a name for themselves. I've liked that pairing. Um, I think that when when you've got Nick Haig... Uh, filling in and doing a good job there and the ability to maybe spread the wealth a little bit, balance out the minutes a little bit more with Alec Martinez coming back. I, I think that for the Golden Knights, it's it's more about balance, more about finding a way to, to maximize what you have in the lineup. We know how good McNabb and Theodore are when they're together. Uh, do you have something when Zach Whitecloud comes back and you compare him up with Alec Martinez? Perhaps. And, and then you've got, to me, just such a solid six defensemen in your day-to-day lineup that the Golden Knights are are going to be hard to score against. They just are. I like to play a game with uh, Petrangelo and just start putting random people with them <laughs> to see like who who wouldn't work with Alex Petrangelo. I, I don't know that there's anyone that wouldn't work. I just think he's that good, right? Like we we've talked about Petrangelo and we yeah, the the way that he's played this season, this is just one of those years where I think you, you start having a legitimate conversation about Alex Petrangelo and the Norris Trophy. He defends, and he's putting up points. And I know like the goal totals aren't necessarily uh, where you're expecting or thinking for a Norris-caliber defenseman, but it's so much beyond the scoring that Petrangelo does. Everything he's doing right now on the penalty kill, uh, the Golden Knights turning themselves into a very, very good elite penalty kill a lot of that has to do with Petrangelo and McNabb, the work that they do. Uh, I think this is one of those seasons that that kind of stands alone for Petrangelo in, in understanding just how dominant a hockey player he is. And he's in the playoff race. Yeah. In a very comfortable spot in the playoff race. Sure. Which compared to a couple of the other uh, players that are being talked about a lot yeah. for, for the Norris Trophy are either on the line or outside. Kale McCart, last year's Norris Trophy winner, expected to win a bunch in his career. That mm-hmm. has been said about a few people over the course of the last decade. It hasn't uh, come to fruition, but he's on the line, the cut line. And Eric Carlson is having a great season, incredible season, point production, but he's not going to make playoffs, and we all knew that uh, coming into the year. Uh, the part that I love about Petrangelo, which may do as much for his... Uh, Norris Trophy consideration as anything. Well, there's two things. One, he's played on a couple of teams before, and he's won a Stanley Cup, and he's a Canadian Olympian. He's really well-known around the league Mm -hmm. because playing in the West does hide you. It's a a fact of life. Uh, And then when you're not putting up a ton of goals, it works against you a little bit more in the sense of they're watching the – the summaries on NHL.com or sure. ESPN Plus, 
and they're not seeing him score the goal. So it does, the points may be there, but they have to do a little bit more work. It's just, it's a fact of life. I'm not calling anybody lazy. It's, it's, it just is what it is. Uh, so he's well known around the league. He's an Ontario guy. He's played for Team Canada and he's played in a big market, a hockey market like St. Louis, and he won a Stanley Cup. That's, that's big for notoriety around the league. The other part is, Vegas, I believe, has the deepest blue line in a league when they're healthy, mm-hmm. top to bottom. But they haven't been healthy for the last 25 games, 20 games. They've really had to lean on Petrangelo a lot more yeah. than they anticipated. So having to lean on him and still with two young goaltenders works in his favor just from the uh, outside looking in to be able to go, oh, he deserves more Norris Trophy. Now, you get into the deep dive of the analytics, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that backs him up on this, a ton that backs him up on this. But those on the periphery mm-hmm. that maybe don't do the hard work, there's a, there's a lot going for him. I, I'm right there with you. I just I I get the sense that as much as we believe it, as much as we sit here and we understand on a day to day day to day basis how much of an impact he's having. I'm not sure that when you look at what's ahead of him, and you mentioned Kale McCarr, maybe they don't make the playoffs. We'll see what happens with Colorado, but like there's been such a push for Josh Josh Morrissey, yeah, and it's well deserved. I mean, he's been a a key cog. He's over a point a game for a Winnipeg Jets team that right now looks like they're a lock to make the playoffs. So it's going to be, I think, harder to get into that conversation. But I also hold on. Josh Morrissey's never been in this conversation before. Petrangelo has. I agree. He never won it. I, I so, agree so with you, but I think Morrissey is playing catch up. To Petrangelo in this regard, I think I think Morrissey has got a lot of fanfare around him right now, and I think that that's one of the most important things when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, I I don't think that that's the case. I, in the sense of competition for Petrangelo, there's there's I, a lot to like about Josh. I like Josh. I think he's having a fabulous season. But if you're going to talk about swimming uphill if, against uh, against the current, uh, that that current's running a lot harder against Josh than it is against Alex. I I just don't disagree because I feel like points are the only thing that really take take center stage here. Whether or not you make the playoffs, how many points you have, how many goals you have. The defending is is not even tertiary when it comes to the Norris trophy. Like it just it just isn't. Top point producer among defensemen. Eric Carlson. 54 points. 41 games. And Alex Petrangelo is 17th. Yeah. That's a that's a big gap. I know. To make up. I you got you will need I, more point production. Not I, not not just schools, but but more point production to get in there. You don't you don't generally win this trophy mm-hmm. outside of the top 10 in points. Right. So let me ask you this question. This is, again, this is kind of more of, of an overarching theme when it comes to voting for awards. Eric Carlson, if he remains a shark, and I, I don't know that you can facilitate a trade for Eric Carlson in the middle of this season, if he remains a shark and he's over 100 points, absolutely on the ballot, right? Like oh, he's, Ed, ab- yeah, he's a finalist. He's a finalist. Yeah. Is he winning it? I don't know. I wouldn't vote for him. I, if I'm you're not in the you. playoffs, I'm with. I agree 100. But I think if if you've got Eric Carlson at, at, with a hundred point season on that Sharks team, wrap it up for him already. 
the finalists that I would say right now, uh-huh. through through the halfway point of the season, would be Carlson, would be Morrissey, and would be Fox. That that's who yeah, I would uh, would predict would be would be the finalists. That's fair. And those are three of your top four point producers. Do you get Petrangelo? With, with all due respect for he's top five. Petrangelo top five. Top yeah. five. I can I have more. Uh, wiggle room uh, when I expand my top five yeah. uh, to work people in. Like um, uh, Quinn Hughes is tenth. Well, Quinn Hughes not not even close. Like well, so th- those types, me, th- some of those players. Uh, let me ask Brandon you, Montour is, is not going to he's not going to finish. Well, let me let me ask you a lo- like a logic question. If if you're not going to vote for Eric Carlson to win it, why even put him in the top three? Why well, I think that you still have these awards. I agree. Now, there's exceptions to everything. A hundred points will change a lot of people's minds, mm-hmm. and he's on pace for that right now. Yeah, that is an exceptional season, and from where he's come, and being a past Norris Trophy, mm-hmm. that carries a ton in people's uh, voting decisions. Sure, yeah. So there's, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities for him to win it. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a top three guy, but. I think that there's also to actually win the darn thing, you, you got to make the playoffs. And right now, Morrissey's going to make the playoffs, and Adam Fox is going to make the playoffs. They, they, they've righted themselves. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and he's a past winner. I will make a bold proclamation right here. If Eric Carlson has 100 points, he's winning the Norris Trophy. Yeah. I don't even think it's close. I, I, I don't think that you'd be out of line in predicting that. Yeah. I'm just saying if it doesn't happen, I'll mm-hmm. remember this one. It'd probably be 70-30 that he would. Yeah. I wouldn't agree with it, necessarily. I wouldn't either. But but I understand why people would sure. uh, go down that path. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back with uh, one-timers, news and notes around the National Hockey League. Uh, one real amazing tribute uh, from a team to a teammate. Uh, part of that conversation as we bring you uh, some ticket giveaways. One more set of tickets to see the Detroit Red Wings take on the Vegas Golden Knights next Thursday, December or January 19th. Twice I've said December. Uh, 702-876-1340. January 19th to see the Vegas Golden Knights take on the Detroit Red Wings. Be caller number five right now. Caller number five. Nice and simple. And we'll be back with one-timers after this. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Anybody figure out the Edmonton Oilers yet? We got top two scores <laughs> in the National Hockey League, and they are putting up massive numbers. And Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl both uh, MVPs in their past careers, and they are right now going to be right down to the wire to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Last night they got hosed by the L.A. Kings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Ends mm-hmm. up being six three, and L.A. was full marks for that win. I just I haven't been able to figure it out. So, I have. Um, they don't play well defensively, and their goaltending is bad. So, you know, again, I, I think that I'm not going to sit here and say that it wasn't addressed or or at least looked at over the course of the offseason. You try to bring in Jack Campbell. It hasn't worked out yet. Stuart Skinner's been fine. 
but not necessarily taking over games. And then the the situation with the Edmonton Oilers is if it's not Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Zach Hyman, who's scoring for you? That doesn't matter because they're doing enough scoring. Honestly, they do enough scoring for them to win. Then it's simple. They don't keep the puck out of their yeah. out of their own net. And that you can chalk it up to goaltending, you can chalk it up to defense, you can say it's a combination of the two. But until they get a shutdown defenseman or you have goaltending that's reasonably acceptable night in, night out, you're not doing very much. Stuart Skinner was pulled last night for Jack Campbell. Yeah. Here's a sign that things are really going the wrong direction for you. Jack Campbell had the save of the night last night. <laughs> Do you see this, Chapman? It was unbelievable. There was a cross-ice feed while killing a penalty. LA's on the power play, and there's a one-timer, and Jack Campbell comes over and makes this glove save for the ages. To the point, two LA Kings went up to Jack Campbell after, pat on the pads, chuckling like how do you do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah he goes to review puck crossed the line in his glove <laughs> it was the save of the night not even close oh jack but poor jack the puck crossed the line in his glove and that never gets called yeah because you can't see the puck physically but there was enough evidence to know that the uh the, the puck was across the line uh goaltending news uh, florida panthers have put spencer knight on injured reserve Undisclosed injury. Alex Lyon has been called up. So more challenges for the Florida Panthers, who are in Colorado tonight to face the Avalanche. It does doesn't get any better for the for the Florida Panthers and their quest to try and turn this thing around. Now they're still within reach. Mm-hmm. I eight points is my is my window. They're within within that. Sure, but. They got to find a way to turn it on, and they've got a schedule right now that is uphill. Yeah, I, I, I know you're looking at it. Okay, within eight points, all that—that's great. Um, unless you believe like Ser- Sergey Bobrovsky is going to be lights out the rest of the year, and that you can legitimately get in, he can do it. I just he don't can. know whether he, he I, will. He he physically can do it. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a high likelihood of it happening. Tank for Bedard. If you're the Florida Panthers, and I hold, hold on, if if you don't think Buffalo can do it, I then don't. Florida's no, not no, doing no, no, it. No, 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 no. This can be this, totally... no. This can be a blip. This can be a blip. The Florida Panthers have had two or three seasons strung together where they've made the playoffs. They win the playoff round. Like there's enough in that room of of recent winning, and I know they haven't done a lot of it, but at least they've gotten to that point where they've made the playoffs. They've won a round. All of that. You can take a temporary step back. You can utilize this as a little quick reset and come out better the other side. No you chance with the ownership can. there. No chance with the general, general manager there. That's and, perfectly, and Bill Zito. That's After changing fine. coaches, they and, will miss out on a generational player. President's Trophy last year. Yeah. If Buffalo can't do it, no, that's a totally different set, set of circumstances. Can't do you it. are There's... talking about a Buffalo team that has not made the playoffs in 11 seasons. They are at a point right now where they've got games in hand and would be right there on the playoff cut line. You cannot continue the culture of losing that the Buffalo Sabres have built up over the better part of a decade. Yeah, you one, have an opportunity. One year is not going to be. You have an opportunity. You're going to poison the entirety of that of that organization. You've got things that you can actually build around and work on. It would be a travesty for the Buffalo Sabres 
to pack it in right now. I know you don't buy into, well, come on. It's it's meaningless hockey if you're not going to make the playoffs, but let's just say they do. For the sake of argument, let's say the Buffalo Sabres find a way to get in. That's going to be extremely valuable for them. Maybe not as valuable as Connor Bedard, but again, we're talking about a Connor McDavid who hasn't even played in the final yet. What about your chickens flying? What are the chances of that happening? Is that you're saying that 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 the the Buffalo Sabres only shot at the playoffs is if chickens fly? If your chickens fly, I I think you're underselling this team. Rupe hints out a couple of games with the Dallas Stars. Some get hurt against Anaheim. Took a puck off the inside of the knee. Yeah. Just cruising in front of the net. Went down. Left that game. Came back. Uh, tried it again the other night. Apparently it's too banged up. So mm-hmm. he's going to miss the two New York games this week. That's a big loss for the Dallas Stars who have uh, had a nice little run going. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. How about this one? They're on the road. Mm-hmm. Going to go home to Pittsburgh. The team voted in favor and with the leadership group to, instead of go back to Pittsburgh off the journey, mm-hmm. go on to Montreal and attend the, the wake for the father of Chris Letang, their teammate. I thought that was a, just a wonderful story. It seems like a no-brainer, but a lot goes into that with uh, plane bookings and mm-hmm. schedules and players and like a whole bunch. Uh, and then they play, they're playing tonight. So they didn't get their, their full day coming off the road trip. It seems like the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do, but sometimes the right thing doesn't happen. I'm so glad. And I'm sure it meant just a world of uh, well, good blessings for Chris Latang. As, as much as we talk about what Sidney Crosby does on the ice, we got to, kind of mention all the things that he does off the ice and Crosby being the the head of that leadership group of Guinea Malkin certainly plays a part in it Chris Letang is a member of that leadership group but certainly not kind of leading into this decision the Pittsburgh Penguins are a well-run well-run organization and they are a very tight team and when you've got three guys in Crosby Malkin and Letang who have been through it all they've seen it all together um, I think it, you're right. It was a no-brainer type of situation. It's not surprising to me that the Penguins went the extra mile. And you mentioned the fact that they are playing tonight, playing against the Vancouver Canucks, who had a 3-0 lead seven and a half minutes into the game. Going into the second intermission, it is 5-3 Pittsburgh. Wow. Big turnaround for the Pittsburgh Penguins. With all that good JT Miller defense. Sidney Crosby's done some incredible things in the course of his career. One of the most memorable moments that I have of Sid, mm. he wasn't even on the ice. <laughs> He's in a playoff series against the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. And Martin St. Louis' mother, I believe, passed away. And Sidney makes, takes the long way around to go to the dressing room and make sure he sees Martin St. Louis in the hallway, uh, shakes his hand, give him a hug, thinking about you. That was one uh, that the CBC cameras, so uh, when I was watching up north, caught. And it was just one of those moments of, oh, I've got uh, goosebumps. Uh, Justin Kirkland told you about this one uh, yep. a couple of days ago, the Anaheim Ducks uh, player. He was in the car accident on his way to the game against the Boston Bruins and was hospitalized. While well, two days later, he's made enough of a recovery to be discharged from the, the UCI Health. Uh, UCI Health uh, 26-year-old ha- has been uh good he's uh responsive and everything's going uh good and released from hospital that's uh that's great news yeah that's awesome that's uh that's really good to hear and um 
just wishing him a continued speedy recovery. He's uh, bounced back and forth between San Diego yeah. and Anaheim and uh, gets involved in that uh, that wreck, And which when you're in the hospital for a couple of days, you know how bad everybody's uh, experienced something like that. Well, you're good. Bad enough to stay in here. Uh, that's not good. Uh, we just want to update uh, a couple of scores for you uh, in the National Hockey League. Winnipeg is having a, a back-and-forth game right now against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, that one uh, is 5-3 for Detroit. Winnipeg, I thought they were going to make a charge in that one, uh, which shows you that uh, things can waver. Seattle on a big run. They're 2-2 with Buffalo mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. in the second period. And the Carolina Hurricanes, New Jersey Devils. I love this game because it's two great teams in the Metro. Mm-hmm. And it's 3-2 Carolina. That's a, a measuring stick game for both of those hockey clubs. Probably more for New Jersey. Sure. Because uh, they're they're trying to turn around to make the playoffs. But uh, but that's a, that's a good hockey game. Yeah, you're you're right on the money. The uh, I've been kind of keeping a, an eye on Seattle Buffalo. It's been a, a well played, really tight game. Um, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, they are back on their their grind. They've yeah. been fantastic. I'm talking to Johnny Forslund in the morning, the Chirp mm, Podcast. Nice. Uh, looking forward to that. Get a little bit uh, of insight on the Seattle Kraken. I'm sure we'll talk about the Winter Classic next year, where Forslund's uh, Seattle Kraken uh, will be there. But uh, Forslund's Forslund, a Carolina longtime announcer, mm-hmm. and now uh, with the Seattle Kraken. What he's seen similarities with the Seattle Kraken uh, from Carolina and the Kaniacs. Uh, what he's seen different. And where the big turnaround has come, the boost has come. They're the, they acquired a couple of players this year that have uh, really added to the to the offensive punch of that Seattle crack. And, and as much as defense wins championships, <laughs> for Seattle, offense is putting them in the picture. Yeah, 100%. This, this is a Seattle Kraken team that uh, is scoring goals, and that's how they're winning hockey games. Now, you can you can look at whether or not their goaltending will, will find its stride. I don't think at this point you know, 40 games into the year that we're expecting much out, much more out of what you're getting out of, out of Martin Jones or Philip Grubauer. So if they can continue to score. How much more do you need in the sense of... I mean, it depends on whether or not you believe Seattle's going to be hitting at around three, 3.7 to 4.2 goals per game. Because like, this is a team that just needs to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean... That would I, be a huge... There's I, no there's no Cinderella run expected out of this team. No, no. But I, I think that I think that they're pretty... They're in a pretty good spot right now. Um, but, hey, before Vegas? Yeah. This would be consuming the, right. the entire hockey world, what For they're sure. doing in their second year. For sure. I, I think Seattle has the staying power. I think they can score enough goals to, to make it interesting. I think that they're a playoff team. I really do. If Calgary and Edmonton don't figure it out. Well, I don't have much faith in Edmonton. So Really? I Okay, listen. I'm a chaos guy. Oh. I want to see what happens. I, I don't... Let me let me rephrase that. I don't want to see the playoffs without Connor McDavid. Yeah. After what he did last playoff season, I don't want to see a situation where Connor misses out on the playoffs. But boy, oh boy, would it be funny if the Oilers with McDavid and Drysidel missed the playoffs a year after going to the Western Conference. Final. They'll get Evander Kane back. That will help. Which will I think they'll still be in it enough at, at that point. He scored a goal last night, Connor McDavid, uh, the third goal, which made you think, well, how how do they ever lose? With that guy. How do they ever lose when he goes out and does that? And yet they got doubled up. Well, because he only had one of them. He needed three or four. Those are your one-timers for this Tuesday, January, on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So uh, this is for the old school Las Vegas hockey fans. I know there's a lot of people out here who've been fans of the sport that go back to the days of the Las Vegas Thunder. I was not here for the Las Vegas Thunder. I just missed them. But this Saturday, the Henderson Overnights are doing Las Vegas Thunder Night. The original mascot, Boom Boom, is going to be out there. Here's the here's the fun part. They're playing the Calgary Wranglers mm-hmm. in that game. And I've got confirmation from my source within the Henderson Silver Knights that they will be wearing Las Vegas Thunder jerseys, which will be revealed hopefully on Thursday. They're going to have a different color scheme, but they're also hoping that some alumni from the Las Vegas Thunder will be out at the Dollar Loan Center on Saturday. The game starts at 3. Again, they're playing the Calgary Wranglers. So, very, very cool. I wish I would have been here for the Thunder. Boom Boom is a polar bear, for those who are wondering. And he wears a a hockey jersey, of course. But uh, very, very cool that that they're going to be honoring the roots of hockey in Las Vegas on Saturday out at the Dollar Loan Center. Brent Gretzky. Need him there. Yep. (laughs) Alumni. I I was thinking... uh, Part of the... uh, Highest scoring brothers, brothers in the league. <laughs> Put him in there. Maybe, maybe, Mister Quinney, possibly. Menorel, Pokey Reddick. Yeah, yeah. West McCauley. West McCauley. Yeah, yeah, notable alumni. I did not know that. Boy, he's a fun ref. Brian Fogarty. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, we have. Uh, a lot of uh, different players that uh, that have played for the Las Vegas Thunder. I was almost an emergency goaltender for them. They couldn't get their Russian goalie across the border to Winnipeg for a game. Really? So I practiced twice with them before the game in Winnipeg, and uh, then the other station that had the broadcast rights complained hmm. because I worked for a competing uh, television station in town. So they went and got a different different guy. <laughs> I got that was it jerks. But I, but I got to practice. Uh, Chris McSorley was the coach back then. Wow. Las Vegas Thunder. That's very, very Paris cool. Paris Duffus was, our, was the goalie that uh, that actually played the game. Good. Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. They, they, those guys. You played some sound earlier. You played a clip, and then you merged it with the long-form clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the most unbelievable thing I've seen you do. Most impressive thing I've seen you do. That was probably the luckiest thing you've ever seen no, me no, do. No, 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 no. It was no. really that, good. That was precision, Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate I'm, that. I'm giving you props here. I appreciate we, that. We were blown away by that. I don't know how you did it. I thought you were going to do it like during a break in the answer. But that was solid stuff. Chris Chapman, props, baby. 